0: Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 27 minutes now to 9 the time. Time for your Mediated Conversation this morning. Yesterday here on SAFM Sunrise, Thomas from Newcastle phoned in to complain about the way a particular person had spoken in English. He said people in the education sector had a responsibility to speak English in a particular way. I suppose you would call it a correct way, and that would mean people in the sector would have to follow the formal rules of English grammar. In the 1990s, there were intense arguments about how English was spoken on this radio station. It was sort of during the transition, a time when some people had very rigid views on how English should be spoken. I think for many people, this must actually have been a very painful debate. Since then, I think, there's been a lot more tolerance, and we're beginning to see a spoken South African English emerging. That includes words being said in different ways, ways that tell us that we are South African rather than American or Australian. I'm not talking about accents, I'm talking about the words that we use. So then, how is it the English that we speak as South Africans changing? How has it changed from generation to generation? Is there such a thing as uh, South African English? This is your mediated conversation today. First, you'll hear from the professor of sociolinguistics and associate professor of sociolinguistics and linguistic anthropology at the tony University of Technology, Professor Tabo Decele. Then, actually, how we learn English now? Are we learning it at school from parents or from TikTok? Ayanda Ayanda Sissi-Wigsfield is a social and political commentator. And then written English, South African written English. Have we created such a thing? Michael Teitelstad is a professor in the English department at Wits University. We start then with the uh, sociolinguist and linguistic anthropology professor, Tabo Dutsele. Professor Dutsele, good morning and thank you for your time.
1: Uh, Good morning, Stephen, and compliments of the new year.
0: And to you, is there such a thing as South African spoken English?
1: Definitely, Stephen. And it doesn't have one variety; it has multiple varieties. It's just that in the main, we talk about the standard variety and the non-standard variety. Um, so, in the non-standard variety, you have, you know, what I what we call African's English. We have what you call coloured English, uh, South African Indian English, and Black South African English. Uh, those are the non-standard varieties of English, uh, and everybody wants to have access to the fourth and remaining variety, which is, um, you know, the variety that
0: is spoken by, um, you know, home language speakers, people like you. So, in other words, people want to, s- so, so so, there's a sort of monopoly that um, first language English speakers sort of have that people want. So, is that right? that is right i mean it with 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 standard south african english you have
1: you know there are attributes uh, you know linked to it you know you you sound like you're sophisticated um you know you uh, you're not backward, you know, you you trendy, you know, all the positive uh, attributes that come with, um, you know, sounding, uh, you know, you, you sound like you speak standard South African English. That is why everybody wants access to it. That is why you see many parents sending their kids to schools where, you know, they will come You know, into contact with teachers who speak that variety of English. So it's not just about speaking English anymore. It's about which variety of English you speak.
0: It's interesting that it's called uh, standard South African English when it's spoken only by a very small minority of people. You would think that the sort of standard English would be defined almost by the English that the majority speak.
1: Yeah, well that is the irony of it uh, You know, people who speak If we, you know, we go with the statistics That was released uh, recently by Status A um, It's about 7-8% of people who speak English as a, as, a, as a first language As opposed to the 93 odd That do not But because language is not just language Language carries power in it So South African English carries A lot of power Even if it's spoken by a small number of people so you know perhaps if i can use you know a european example if you take a country like belgium for instance there are more dutch speakers in belgium than french speakers but french because uh it's prestigious you know people who are dutch first language speakers of dutch tend to want to learn french whereas the french don't see the need to learn to learn Dutch. So it's not just about numbers, it's about the power, the power that French has in Belgium, the power that English has in South Africa. So people tend to limit it to numbers. It's not just about numbers, it's about the power that a language has. And English has that power. I know many people think that, uh, you know, on paper we have 12 official languages, but really let's be frank, there's one and the rest.
0: Some people tell me in fact that um, people in the Eastern Cape almost speak English slightly differently to people in KwaZulu-Natal. Are there influences from Kosa in Zulu and how people speak English? Uh, yes, definitely. Your home language influences how
1: you, you learn a second language. And that is not just limited to English. Uh, you know, it's It cuts across. I mean, if you, uh, if you're from, uh, uh you know, Gautam for instance, let's look at someone who's Koza, but they were born and raised in Soweto. Uh, the how they speak english will be very different from a closer speaker in in east london so it's not just about where you i mean it's not just about what your home language is it's also about where you find yourself in where you grew up which other languages are in contact with your home language
0: have we seen big changes in how we speak english and i think of english as it was spoken, or let me put it slightly differently. Um, there are very few, you know, sort of examples of people that we will remember who spoke English as it was taught to them 70 or 80 years ago. But I can think of three examples. One was Nelson Mandela, another Robert Mugabe, and the third, Prince Mangosuthu Buthelezi. And it seemed to me there may be some differences between the English they spoke in public and the English we hear in South Africa by our politicians now. Uh, that's very true. I mean, again, it depends on, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you used the example of Nelson Mandela.
1: Uh, I mean, when I was in, at university in the 90s, uh, student politicians, even those who were not Corsa, they, they, they mimicked Mandela because the type of his accent, the manner in which he spoke was envious or enviable to uh, people who aspire to be politicians. I haven't studied Zimbabwe, so I wouldn't know how you know. But I would suspect that people who look up to Robert Mugabe, they might may have wanted to sound like him or to use the vocabulary that he used in terms of. Uh, the late Prince Mangosuthu Uh Yes, there are people who, uh, myself included, who hold a view that he, you know, he spoke what we call polished English. Uh, you know, the most standard uh, variety of English. Uh, you know, he. I mean, his pronunciation. You wouldn't tell that is actually uh, a, 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 you know, a, a Zulu-speaking and when he spoke English. Uh, but because I don't know his background that much, that may have been influenced by which schooling he went, I mean, which schools he went to as he grew up in the 30s, the
0: 40s and the like. Uh, yesterday, uh, the caller who started all of this, Thomas from Newcastle, and he's an educator him, himself. He's someone who's made a lot of contributions to our show over the years. But he did want people to speak in a sort of, um, and, and this was not his phrase, uh, this is my phrase, but a correct English Is there such a thing as a sort of correct English in South Africa? This is right or more right? Well, correct, I wouldn't use the word correct. I would use standard,
1: you know. And perhaps that's my point of departure on that issue is that of people who are liberal, people who are conservative. Conservatives generally want, uh, you know, things to be done in a particular way. They are not accommodative of change, uh we're not going to i mean we have to accept that uh, a majority of south africans do not speak english at home so how they sound is going to be different The vocabularies that they use will be different uh so yes i would agree with the with, with the, the caller that when it comes to certain domains for instance, I'm a university lecturer, in my classroom, I would expect students to speak a standard variety of English. But if they come to my office, for instance, I wouldn't insist on standard variety being being spoken because the domain is different. So the language purists generally or language conservatives generally want one form of English to be spoken or one form of language to be spoken, irrespective of you know the, the change in, in domain.
0: Professor Thabo thank you. Really appreciate the time as always. Associate Professor of Sociolinguistics and Linguistic Anthropology at the Tswana University of Technology. You are there, SAFM. Your mediated conversation around South African English as we speak it continues. 17 minutes to nine. Ayanda Sishi Wigsel is a social and political commentator. Ayanda, good morning.
2: Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to the SAFM listeners.
0: When I was growing up, which was uh, some time before you, Ayanda, um, the major influences (laughs) on the English that I spoke would have been my parents and at school. For people younger than me, the influence of TV and radio and TikTok and online would be much greater. What do you think is influencing how younger people speak English now?
2: You hit the nail on the head when you spoke about social media and the influences that social media does have on the way it is that we speak not only English but just different languages in general. But I wanted to take it back further into the 90s. The professor um, previously said something that was very poignant that hit home to me when he said that um, parents will try all it is in in their might to make sure that their children are approximated to institutions and states that will make sure that life is easier for them. And that's exactly what parents have been doing since the advent of Abide Ed when um, schools opened up. We saw, we saw a lot of parents flooding their children towards Model C schools. And this has been happening as well. We also see a lot of parents turning to social media to say that, look, this is um, this is a great tool, a way that you can actually interact with, with not only just people in your community, but the world as well. We need to understand that social media opens up the world and bigger community um, um, for children to interact with. Children who otherwise would not have had the opportunities mm. to speak English um, with other people in other communities as well now have that opportunity through television, through mass media, through radio as well, through journalism, which is something that is very important in mass media. Um, we, 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 can't, we can't leave that out, especially with the with, with, with the influence that the mm. SABC has over children who are learning the English language. We cannot leave this out as well. It plays a huge influence in the way it is that young children here in South Africa are learning the english language i don't know if it is a good thing
0: though <laughs> yeah, well i'm going to come to this so i would imagine there's also a big difference between the english that you learn in english class in school and the english you see on tv or tiktok and the english you speak in the playground so i mean in the classroom yes you may speak in a particular way if you're speaking in english In the playground, you're not going to go with that English. You're going to go with whatever is easiest to speak to your friends. And that probably won't just be a a sort of, you know, just English. It would probably be an English that includes words from other languages.
2: Yes, that's the beauty of this country is that we have 11 official languages, but the professor was right. We have English and then we have other languages as well. So we need to understand that um, there are certain Model C schools, right? In the 90s, they would have this rule. And I think it was a, a rule that they made up this rule in order to integrate us into the larger English world, but we are not allowed to speak other languages on the playground, in classrooms and corridors. If, if teachers would hear you speaking, for example, in, in KZM, if you hear you speak, uh, speaking Zulu, you kids get shouted at. They say, you need to speak English. You're always being corrected about the way it is that you're speaking the English language as well. You've been taught how to pronounce certain words and it's not done in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that is, is meant to actually help children, but it is done in a way that is meant to proximate children to respectability proximates children to expectations of when you enter into this world so we know that world institutions are approximated to what is is powerful colonialism state institutions white supremacy these are the things that fuel the way it is that we speak the english language here in this country because of the status that comes with speaking the english language um you brought up uh prince uh former prince uh, Mon- my, uh, former prince mangosutu putelezi he was brought up in in the education system of, of, of Amakola, same as my grandfather he went to school at the university of forté there's a direct line towards education if you inst- if if you if you proximate and bring your children towards these institutions so you can't forget the fact that institutions mm. actually matter when it comes to, to to the way it is that that we are learning the english language
0: um is the language the English that we are speaking, even um, among first language speakers may be changing. I mean, my daughter uses the word Delolo, which I didn't use. Um, So, I mean, are we seeing that the actual language that we speak is
2: changing quite quickly? It is changing. Language always changes. It's never stagnant. And that's, again, the beauty of language is that it will forever change, it will forever evolve. And so I think that we need to make space for that evolution, we need to make space um, for that revolution to come within the English language because it's not going to always stay the same. Your children are going to be using terms like Lulu is not the solution And we know that we know what that term means, the delusion is not the solution, you know? And so we, we, we are starting we're to, starting to see a lot more of these colloquial terms come into our everyday language so yes it is going to change yes the way it is that we are speaking the English language is going to change as it as it did because we wouldn't we weren't speaking the English language uh, hundred 200 years ago it was different to what it is now and so language is always going to be evolving and we need to just make space for that I think the problem that we have is that we see certain types of people speaking English in a certain way and we see it as okay that is the right way to speak English that is the correct way to to speak English, but we know that because it's an evolving language that cannot be true. People speak in different ways and speak in mm. different manner, but it does not mean that what they're saying is does, does not have worth and value in it. Um,
0: this is going to be a very strange example, but for years and years in the United States, politicians spoke in a particular way, a very sort of formal media way, Barack Obama was maybe the epitome of that, you know, he sort of was poetry on stage. Donald Trump speaks in a very different way, very direct, uses the direct language that the people he is speaking to use, particularly a sort of conservative white audience. He speaks directly to them. Do you think we're going to have I mean, we've seen and I know people will tell me that they've gone to go and watch former President Jacob Zuma speak because of the Zulu that he speaks. Do you think we could ever have a politician who comes along in South Africa and doesn't use the formal English that you know we sort of used to i mean you could say that perhaps the closest we've come to this speaking so directly is probably Julius Malema
2: i was about to say that we do have examples of that i wouldn't even go as far as saying Julius Malema i'd say you know floord um, mbwiseng even going outside of the party andile um Utama as well these are people who who don't necessarily stick to the resp- and 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 i want to use this term very loosely but the respectability accent that's the accents that the accent that i speak uh, uh, english in the accents uh, that that a lot of, of of children who went to model c schools uh, speak in. uh they, they definitely don't speak in that in in in, in, the, in in that tone and i also wanted to speak further to what uh, the professor actually said about the 90s where people was were, were listening to mandela there's there's, there's a, a a mandelification that politicians mm. go through When when they're speaking English They want to speak in the cadence And in that tone That Nelson Mandela used to use I'm not going to mention Which politicians do that now Because I don't mm. want to get into trouble But if you look at the new political parties That have come to the fore If you listen to the way it is That they speak Their speech Their cadence The language mm. that they use They're trying to approximate themselves As closely as they can To Nelson Mandela But it's not only just politicians Who do this It's also media personalities Who do this I remember listening to a story That, um, that, um, that, 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 that was um, spoken to by Kola by Nikuala speaking about a painful experience that he had in radio where he said that he had to be taken to training uh, for training mm. in order to, to learn how to speak proper English and 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 this is not to say that he couldn't speak English but he couldn't speak English in the manner and in the mm. cadence that I am speaking English in right now because the way that I speak English people will perceive me as to being mm. trustworthy as as, as I'm, I, I'm speaking in the correct way therefore I belong mm. in this group but that that is simply not true and and and, and of course institutions and, and, and states and, and states and, and colonialism has allowed for this kind of white supremacy mm. to still continue to prevail in the form of the way it is that we speak English. But just because I speak this way, it does not mean that I am I, I am more smart than somebody else who's in a room who does not speak English the way that I do. So we need to really dispel this notion of of of, of accents mm. and of speaking English as as a way of being trustworthy and measuring somebody's and somebody's intelligence upon that.
0: Ayanda, thank you. Ayanda Sishi social and political commentator. In a moment, Professor Michael Tittlestud from the Department of English at Wits University. Mediated mm-hmm. Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation around the English we use here in South Africa. Seven minutes to nine. Professor Michael Tittlestud is in the Department of English at Wits University. Professor, good morning. Thanks for your time. Morning, Stephen, and morning to your listeners. We've heard about spoken English. Is there a sort of South African English emerging in the written form, in literature at all?
3: I think absolutely. I think that many of the points made by Ayanda and Tabo um, are true also of literary language in the sense that literature exists in a variety of registers, and people also write in order to approximate in some respects their spoken voice because that's the voice of a particular community or the voice of a, a particular constituency. Um, so yes, I think writers have been often at the forefront of challenging the kind of hegemony of English and of received standard English by incorporating other, uh, other dialects, other registers uh, in their literary works.
0: Does our English have differences to other literature, say writing in English from Nigeria, for example? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um,
3: again, as Tabo made very clear, there's a kind of sense that uh, people are grappling with the received standard English, but they seek to turn it to their own ends, either in subcultures or in particular communities, and certainly in literary works. So it's not just a matter of diction or the words that are chosen. It's also that language carries with it an entire uh, ideology, an entire uh, set of ways in which the world is organized and articulated. And South African writers have been very creative in looking at the intersection of language, the intersection of expression. And many, you know, if we just look at Mangani Soroti, uh, K. K K Deke, Zakes Mudah, they've challenged the idea of a kind of European version of English by incorporating uh, differences that are localized and which express complex local realities.
0: Uh, I mean, is it just about the words that are used? Are there other ways that you sort of hear or write that South African voice? There's a sort of sense of being. Uh, that is in only in South Africa that can be expressed in a language that is majority English.
3: Uh, yes, I think I think it's important that one look at idiomatic uses of language because uh, there is an entire repertoire of of culture and of intellectualism uh, uh, that is not uh, commonly expressed in standard English. So there's a there's a sort of sense in which. Uh, while there is something distinctly South African in diction and in register and in sentence construction, it's more that language is being probed for the kind of understanding about the world that it undergirds. So yes, I I think there's an entire repertoire of concepts and ideas and idioms uh, that characterize the South African literary English. Again, the diversity to which Ayanda and Tabo was, uh, that that they were describing is also true of literature and that Literary works tend to be rooted in a particular community or culture, Um, but they also decolonize, in a way, to use a word that is now very fashionable, they decolonize the English in which they are writing by writing at the cusp of um, received standard English and particular dialects and registers that exist in particular communities. The problem in many ways, I think, is, and this is perhaps the key to the debate generally, is people are judged on their use of English, and often the standard that is used is a kind of version of what used to be called Queen's English. Um, So the sort of uh, notion that people need to speak in one way in order to speak sense and to speak importantly um, is very debilitating and excludes a large number of voices and people from public debate.
0: Would it require the elite to create their own form of English to move away from that idea of the Queen's English?
3: Um, you know, I'm worried about the notion of an elite sure, creating a language in which everyone must communicate. I think, in fact, what literature has done is allowed... Uh, voices of people who are oppressed and marginalized to express themselves more fully and uh, more descriptively. So I, I I think that the idea of standard expression uh, starts to become important when people are applying for jobs or people are in the public sphere and people are not going to listen to them um, unless they speak received standard English. But the, the point is that we need to change the way that people listen so that people appreciate the complexities of the merging and intersection of different languages in different spheres.
0: Um, For a long time, even after uh, 1994, writing in English in South Africa was still kind of dominated, I suppose, by white authors. Is that changing now? Is there actual transformation in that?
3: Um, I'd probably uh, start the transformation much earlier than that in the sense that the Soweto writers of the nineteen eighties were already introducing very creative uh devices in relation to the intersection of English and other African languages. Um, but yes, we are forming our own literary tradition, but it's as language itself, it's something which is changing rapidly and changing differently in different communities. So I think the change is certainly underway and I say that thankfully because the last thing we want is a kind of homogenous domain of expression where everyone is forced to accord or obey the same set of rules and the same set of requirements.
0: Professor, thank you so much. Professor Michael Teitelstad is in the Department of English at Wits University. My thanks also to Ayanda Sisi a social and political commentator. And starting us off today, Professor Tabo Dutzele is an associate professor of sociolinguistics and linguistic anthropology at the Tswane University of Technology. I found that absolutely fascinating, by the way. There's a lot more to come, I think, on the issue of language. Thomas in Newcastle, thank you for inspiring that idea.